Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Uh, this show is designed to provide an educational experience and hopefully fun, <laughs> if that's possible. Um, a lot of people think this subject material might be dry. I don't. I love it. I could do this every day. Hey, I do do it every day. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm happy to be joined by a couple of my associates. To my immediate right is Kyle Ryan, who is also a certified financial planner. And all the way to the right is Ryan Keefe, who's been with me for knocking on the door. I guess you're in your sixth year now. So, uh, guys, thank you for joining me. Mm -hmm. Appreciate Thanks it. Um, so what we're doing here is uh, question and answer. And this was, call it back by popular demand. We've had a lot of um, people, feedback, et cetera, that they love when we do the question and answer stuff because we're sort of talking day-to-day -day, uh, type of material. So this is part two of an episode that we're talking about uh, what is financial planning. That was the question, what is financial planning? Now, I, I kind of expected this would go maybe one segment of one episode, and we didn't even make it through in our first episode, but that's okay. So the six areas of financial planning are cash management, tax planning, risk management, which is also insurance planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. In our prior episode, we spent time talking about each of the first four different areas. And one thing we did note, tax planning, uh, you know, we do tax planning, we do not do taxes, and we're not here to even suggest that we know more than accountants because, trust me, they know way more than we know and they've forgotten more than we know. However, as I pointed out with tax planning, two major things. We really know and apply one small wedge of the pie of the understanding of the tax laws and rules to all of financial planning. And because of that, we do that every single day. And the other thing associated with is no matter which area of financial planning there is, which are all integrated, the whole tax component is absolutely integrated to every area of it. So we left off with the investment planning, kind of hurried because the episode was running out. But where we talked about with the investment planning, or certainly where we left off, is that you, know, you want to understand a person's risk tolerance and the single largest component of risk is time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that they have a multitude of, you know, most people are somewhere in the middle of high risk, low risk, and understanding the time horizon. If they have assets that they need uh, six months, a year, two years, or three years, mm -hmm. they should be taking a whole lot less risk than if they're in their 401k or whatever that they're not gonna be using for 20 to 30 years. Yep. Which now lends itself to the next area of financial planning is retirement planning. Mm -hmm. Retirement planning takes on a whole lot of things. And I suppose, you know, I gotta be careful of the boy who cried wolf because I always say, oh, I love investment planning, it's my favorite. Oh, I love tax planning, it's my favorite. No, oh, I love estate planning, it's my favorite. And oh, I love retirement planning, it's my favorite. It probably is, okay? Uh, retirement planning is, you know, not saying people don't like what they do with working, but ultimately they'd rather not work if given the choice. Yeah, a lot of people work to retire. That is <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah. So, you know, retirement planning is, again, not something you do. It's like tax planning isn't something you do on April 15th. Retirement planning isn't something you do the day you're planning on retiring. In fact, if you think about retirement planning, it's really two phases. You got the accumulation of assets, 
and the distribution of assets and the pinnacle is the time with which people are planning to retire or intend to retire and it always raises the question of will I have enough yep. right. and that is absolutely you know one of the areas that we bring to the table of being able to ascertain do I have enough but if you look at the accumulation side that now takes on pensions 401ks Roth 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, uh, and all kinds of different vehicles for saving and accumulating. And which goes back to kind of to investment planning a little bit is time horizon. If you think you're going to need the money soon, then gosh darn it, you shouldn't be putting it into a retirement plan where you don't have access to it. Yeah, right. You know, like 401ks. Unless the retirement plan and the plan document says that you could take the money out. Once you put your money into your 401k, you can't get it until you retire or terminate from employment. Yeah. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to save for a car, it's certainly not the place <laughs> to put it. Yeah. Okay, or saving for a house or whatever the mm. case may be. Yeah. Um, but how we look at retirement planning and how most people really view the retirement planning is, will I have enough? Mm. Okay, I want to retire and be able to live comfortably and in fact, Studies have shown how they quantify this, I have no idea, <laughs> that retirees are five times more concerned about running out of money than dying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, point of by that? What's the point of living if you yeah. don't got money, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when you run out, then it's time to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's time to find that yeah, tallest right? and nearest bridge. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so. I think it's interesting that people come to us, you know, you're, you're looking at all these assets, you have the income streams, and you're saying, is this enough? And that's really the golden question, right? And it's different for every person because it, it's not about how much you have. You can have, you can have half a million, a million, 10 million, 100 million. But if you're spending 10 grand a month versus, you know, it it's all comes down to how quickly you spend it. How, that is correct. You know, so you can have as much money as you want, but it, it really comes down to how, how, how long you can make it last. Right. We had a client recently ask uh, Mike and I, uh, you know, I'm nowhere near, you know, a million dollars. And that's what I heard I need in order to retire. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, not necessarily. We yeah. need to look at your cost of living and see what you have saved up right now yep. versus what you're going to be spending in retirement. Because a lot of people don't understand that expenses in retirement may go up, they may go down, they may stay the same. You really got to look into the future and kind of see, all right, what am I going to be paying for? Because yep. certain things you're just not going to be paying for in retirement. But then again, there are certain things you're going to be paying more for. For instance, you know, yeah. we talked about the go phase, slow phase, and no phase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when you first retire, I want to go travel. That's right. And oh, that yeah. What do my thing? grandkids want? It's Christmas. What do you, oh, you know? So. Absolutely. And that yeah. pesky thing called the job isn't getting in the way of you doing <laughs> all these things that you right. want to do. Right. And it's also it's, kind of... It's amazing how one of the best ways to prevent yourself from spending money is work. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't spend money at work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's also funny, too, how many people we run into who are retired and you, you catch up with them. We're still working with them, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you say, so how's retirement? And it's funny, I've never been busier in my life. I don't know how in the world I was ever able to work. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. How did I get it done? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but that's fun. But so what have you encountered as far as uh, the things you do when you're doing retirement planning? And, and we see it all the time. So what are the different things that, that 
questions, issues? What, what do we deal with the most? Uh, I take this. I mean, uh, first, again, going back to it is I try and figure out your expenses. Now, no one knows it perfectly, right? That's one of the hardest things is expense tracking in and of itself, especially for in the future when you don't know what it's going to be. So, you know, projecting out your guaranteed costs, right? Do you still have a mortgage? Do you still make, you know, these monthly payments that aren't going away? Um, how much do you plan on, tra you know, spending on travel? So mm -hmm. it's really difficult. You know, it's easy to say, okay, this is going to be your income. This is your Social Security. If you have a pension, this is how much you have to take out of your retirement accounts each year. It's easy to tell you how much you're going to have. It's really difficult to predict how much you're going to spend. And again, that's really the crux of retirement planning. And, and one of the biggest questions that we get asked almost every day, hey, I'm approaching retirement. When should I take Social Security? Yep. And, oh. it's, and, that's, and that's a whole topic on its own, but... You know, obviously you can take it as early as age 62, all the way up to a maximum age of 70. And there's very different dollar amounts that you're dealing with and could be beneficial to you, whether your spouse, you know, is collecting based off your social security or their own and your life expectancy. And if you might be working in between. Yeah, there's, so, there's a multitude of variables. Yeah, actually I, I had an entire episode or even possibly two mm -hmm. talking specifically about whole social security system and how it works. Yeah. In fact, I know it was a two-part two episode mm -hmm. and it talked about the social security system. And boy, I'll tell you what, um, it's really understanding the rules of the game. It's not that complex, I suppose, any game once you know understand it. Uh, it's not that complex, but it certainly has enough nuances to make the determination of when you should do it. And we come across that all the time, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and to kind of pair up with Social Security, what a lot of people don't understand or uh, just don't know about is uh, really their Medicare costs yep. and what those are going to be in retirement and what might affect those. And it's not a small number. <laughs> oh, it's not a small <laughs> number. And in fact, their you know, Medicare system, they have IRMA, you know, income-related monthly Adjustment amount. <laughs> there you go. That's the first time right. it's gotten in one the shot. AA mark. Yeah, there you go. Uh, attitude adjustment is what I always think of whenever I hear AA attitude adjustment. Well, it might give you an attitude adjustment of how much it costs extra. Exactly. Exactly. And so the interesting part about Medicare is that um, the cost that you pay in retirement is based on your income. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the income from the prior two years. But here's something that I, I I came across it like two or three times just in the past couple weeks that how many people don't realize that you can petition the amount that you're paying for the Medicare, the IRMA. Basically what IRMA is, is if you know, your, your, your Medicare amount in 2022 is $170 a month for Part B. And then, believe it or not, it's the first time I've ever seen it in my career where Medicare has actually gone down. So it's $165 a month next in 2023. So what happens is that that amount goes up if your income exceeds certain thresholds. And we talked about tax planning. Mm -hmm. And we talked about your taxes in retirement. Mm -hmm. But... What people don't realize is Medicare in its own right is a tax mm -hmm. because anytime there's an exchange of money between you and the government and it's because of your income, I don't care what you call it, 
it's a tax. Yep. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we do in retirement planning is done well in advance in your 30s, 40s, and 50s to control how much income or taxable income that they're going to have in retirement mm -hmm. because we want to control the amount of costs that they're going to have for that. And call it conspiracy theory, but the Social Security system, the way it stands, is not enough. It's supposed to run out of money by year 2034 mm -hmm. unless they fix it. And one of the things that they could do is means test it. It's like, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, does Bill Gates need Social Security? I think not. The question is, is how much income do you have to have before you make too much to get it? Yep. Well, if they implemented that, that could be, have an impact on a lot of our clients who have, whether it be pension income, IRA distributions during retirement. We're seeing it already with their Medicare premiums. What's to say that they're not going to do that with Social Security? And, you know, those are the things that we look at in retirement planning long in advance. Mm -hmm. it, it's part of the tax planning yeah. strategies that we employ, but it all comes back down to clients don't want to pay taxes, let's be practical. But what? You, what? <laughs> what? You like to, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they don't think about it and therefore don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the job that we do, Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay? we take that worry off their plate but to your point which we've always said it's not how much you make it's how much you keep mm -hmm. and if they're paying a lot of taxes in retirement then they're not keeping as much which can have an impact on the amount of money that they're getting on a monthly basis for their cost of living so again the retirement plan takes on so many different components it's helping our clients understand what their cost of living is, how do you invest in retirement, which is a very important component. People think that all of a sudden they retire, they have to, it's like jumping off the cliff, they have to be safe. Actually, on the contrary, you don't wanna take all of your assets and be safe. Mm -hmm. But investing in retirement is a science because of the fact that, especially when you're taking money out, you have to really understand the concept of using uh, time horizon yeah. Carving out a certain amount of your assets to provide for distributions because we've seen it in 2021. It doesn't matter whether you're in stocks or bonds, you got smoked. Yep. And you don't yep. want to be drawing off of assets that are depreciating in value. Yeah. So retirement planning, again, my being the engineering geek, takes on so much more analysis and is also one of the bigger emotional pieces when it comes to clients. That's what so, I was going to so. say. It's it's my favorite piece because there's a lot of emotions and it, it, it's a range of emotions, right? It's it's anywhere from fear, am I able to do this, to excitement and euphoria because you've been thinking of this and planning for this your whole life, right. your whole working life, right? That is correct. Yep. That is yep. correct. And then people retire and all of a sudden the markets crap out. So um, we're going to finish this segment on this. We'll pick up on the estate planning when we come back. Uh, please stay tuned. We'll be picking up in just a few moments. Thank you. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. 
For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, and we are wrapping up this two-part series on what is financial planning. Uh, we now uh, are on the final uh, stage of it is estate planning, okay? And so estate planning, that's another one similar to financial planning in that people think, well, estate planning are the for the Steinbrenners and the you know, Gates and the Gates and the, the people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, et cetera, et cetera. I am so against and, and disagree with that because estate planning really is for everyone, mm -hmm. okay? Because there's two components of estate planning. Who takes care of my dependent children if I die, not so much me, but if me and my spouse die, who takes care of my kids? Mm -hmm. And then secondarily, where do my assets go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the obvious question becomes, do I want to make that decision or do I want to leave it up to the state? Duh. <laughs> okay. And a lot of people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. People also think that the will is an end all. The will is a very important document. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a couple episodes on just estate planning and I, I would encourage uh, folks who are really interested in uh, learning about the estate planning and, and some of the intricacies, I would strongly encourage, I believe I have a two-part series on just estate planning and the taxation. Uh, I would encourage you to check it out uh, in the archives. But estate planning, again, is not necessarily for the people who are wealthy. And the will is the first thing that kind of says, all right, where are my kids going to go? Well, you know, if you're older, you know, my kids are established, mm -hmm. don't have to worry about it. Where do my assets go? Well, okay, that's an important component. But what's also important is to define who's going to take care of my will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you want to have someone who's trusted and you don't want to name someone who's 75 today, you die 20 years from now, and, you know. Yeah, and what good is that? Right, exactly. <laughs> but what people don't realize is that a lion's share of their assets are driven by their beneficiary designations. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I take, for instance, myself and most people in their 30s like me, <laughs> And even older people who might be in their 50s. Maybe late 30s. Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> late 30s, thank you. Uh, but, you know, people in their 50s and 60s, they've built up most of their wealth, is tied up in their 401ks, retirement plans, 
and oftentimes in life insurance. And the only thing that really is their house. Mm -hmm. And if the house is jointly held, then it goes to the spouse. The rest of it is driven by beneficiaries. So in fact, just working with a client recently, we basically looked at her and said, you know, you're, you're worth several million dollars, but guess what? Your, your will only drives the value of your home yeah. <laughs> where it goes. Yeah. And the beauty of being able to utilize all of the other assets, whether it be the, the 401k, the IRA, or even regular investment accounts. At the bank, you could do a POD, which is payment on death, yeah. or a TOD, which is transfer on death. You're basically naming beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, needless to say, people have their goals and objectives or desires change, they have the ability to change beneficiaries very easily. Yeah. Yeah. And as opposed to the will. It could be really impactful having something like a POD or a TOD on account because, you know, the, the day you die, if your children are trying to get funeral arrangements and they can't afford to do it immediately, well, having access to some sort of money to help provide for that need is, is really important as that opposed to waiting for a will to get probated. That is correct because that's usually yeah. months. It depended on the state. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, Pennsylvania, where we do, where we, we reside, um, Pennsylvania is actually an easier state than most. Yeah. There are states that probate will tie you up for years. New York is pretty bad, right? New York, yeah. California is bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, not California. I don't know about California. I'm sorry. Yeah. Florida. Yep. Okay. Uh, New York and Florida are considered to be mm -hmm. tough states. Mm -hmm. So what people in those states have a propensity to do is they set up trusts. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and for the longest time until I really got involved in uh, helping clients with estate planning, again, for full disclosure, you know, estate planning, we the estate planning that we do is sort of coming up with the concepts and how you do it and, and so on and so forth. The actual wills, trusts, and all of the estate planning documents are actually prepared by the attorneys, the estate attorneys. Once again, you know, it's kind of like we don't do taxes. We do tax planning type of strategies. We don't do wills. And certainly the attorneys forgot more than we know. But conceptually, the estate planning represents a very important component of financial planning. And we want to make sure that the client understands conceptually how estate planning works so that when they go to see their attorney for developing the documents and drafting the wills and drafting trusts, if that's the right thing to do, then they're at least a little educated on it. Right. Because let's be, let's face it, you know, and I'm not knocking on the state attorneys, but you go in, they tell you what's going on, you might understand it, and even if you did, the following week they're it's gone. Right, it's gone. Yeah. And by the way, the same thing happens with us, and yeah. I know it. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we tell them, hey, look, you know what? If you ask us the question of what we talked about today, you ask us next week, that's okay. Yeah. We understand it, but they're not going to understand it. Particularly, there's so many nuances and idiosyncrasies. In fact, you know, some of our better clients, we actually go to meet with the estate attorney. attorneys with the clients because to help communicate exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, we're almost serving as like a translator. Yeah, that's, there's, <laughs> so, that was actually well put, yeah. Ryan. That was very well put because that is absolutely the truth yeah. because one week later they ask, gee, what did he say again? Or what did she, and I was like, okay. But 
do not underestimate the taxation component when it comes to estate planning. Of course. And from a whole lot of different ways with which, for instance, um, I'm going to be doing a couple episodes on taxation of trusts. Oh, okay. Yeah. How are irrevocable? What's the difference between the irrevocable and revocable trusts? How are the taxed differently, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. uh, I've got episodes coming up in the very near term on those uh, topics. But once again, when it comes to estate planning, okay, just like all tax planning, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Well, when it comes to estate planning, how do I make it so that the federal or the state governments aren't one of my primary beneficiaries. And there are a lot of strategies that you can employ from a tax perspective and from an estate perspective as to how you play the game. And, and, and recently I had a husband and wife and the one spouse, and they happen to each have their own reasonably large investment accounts. and. I should be careful when I say this on the public. <laughs> but I'm saying it anyway. It's, so we made a lot of moves where recognizing a step up in cost basis at death, what that means is that if I owned, you know, if I bought Microsoft stock in, in 1985, theoretically, or whatever, if I bought a particular company stock, that dramatically appreciated and that $10,000 in that particular stock is now worth 10 million. If I die, my kids inherit it as if they paid 10 million, we wipe out the capital gains. Yep. Mm -hmm. And just telling you, do not underestimate the impact of taxation on that. There are people who ask, hey, should I gift my house to my kids so that they don't take it from Medicare or Medicaid. Mm -hmm. right. And so these are questions that we run into. In fact, I just ran into that not too long ago either, where uh, I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. You got a million dollar house that you paid $170,000 for, you gift it, they're going to be subject to the, ta the capital gains. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wrap up on that. And so again, the six areas of financial planning, you got cash management, tax planning, risk management, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. Do not underestimate how integrated all of them are. That's the areas of financial planning. So if you were to go meet with a good financial advisor, I said good, did you notice that? <laughs> a good financial advisor, they should be talking to you about each of these different areas. They may not be applicable, but we need to at least bring them up. And so I thank you for joining us for the two-part on financial planning, what is financial planning, it ended up being two parts. So thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Until then, you have a great day and a great week.